Octanon Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. In this episode of Octanon Verba, we hear part two of my interview with my good friend, Adam Shibley, creator of the Podcasting Business School and Podcasting Business Coach. In part one, Adam discussed the importance of focusing on impact and relationship building when pursuing your goals. We also explored creating resilience by focusing on humanity, finding opportunities through humor, and how to raise awareness for issues that are truly important to you. You can hear part one on episode 71 of Octanon Verba. And now, please enjoy part two of my interview with the hilarious Adam Shibley. And you mentioned the minimalists. You mentioned being able to get kind of plugged in with them. You have a pretty incredible experience with that because you've been putting that into play for the last 10, 15 years, and now you're in a position. Can you tell us what that looks like for you? What freedoms you've been provided because of that now? Yeah. So for me, the minimalist lifestyle, it's again, it's another misconception of like, I try to avoid owning anything. I only eat chicken. I almost went into my Jocko Willink voice there. Like, I only eat chicken. And I caught <laughs> good. Good. I've got a stand-up routine about Jocko where I'm like, here's Jocko Willink to cut up a promo for a public service announcement for erectile dysfunction. Can't get a boner. Good. More time for deadlifts. So that's that's my Jocko willing. Anyway, so living in minimalist lifestyle has really served me and I enjoy the hell out of it. And from choices of, all right, do I wear a sweatshirt one or sweatshirt two today? Do I wear workout pants one or workout pants two today? I'm not that that dude that's like rocking, you know, Danny Vega has more pairs of shoes than I have clothes total. My wardrobe is 80 items or less on purpose. That's the number that really seems to fit me, but everything is nice. Like I'm rocking my real nice Keto Savage hoodie right now. That's one of two sweatshirts that I have. It's a real nice one. I have like $100 workout pants, but I have two pairs and and I have one pair of jeans. Okay, we're good. Good. So I wanted to say 80 items, Socks count as two. So I'm at any point in time, especially in the winter, I'm wearing about 10% of my total clothes if it's, that's on my body. So it minimizes my choices that I have to make like wardrobe wise and, and all, all these things. We don't have a ton of clutter in our house. Like we, even with the kids, they get a new toy. All right, what, which one are we going to get rid of that you don't play with anymore? We just don't need a mountain of toys. Like let's have our, our top five or 10 things and then one in, one out. And it works really well. Our kitchen, we have shelves and drawers in our kitchen that have nothing in them. Nothing. So that's rare, especially in the Midwest. That's what you get into some hoarding in the Midwest. And it's like, they got storage units out in the front yard and, and, and the, the whole thing. So to have drawers and cabinets with zero dishes or whatever, 
you know, we've got four people, so we only need four glasses. We wash them and we're good. We have four plates, four big plates, four little plates, four bowls. <laughs> and it's just a unique concept that I really enjoy. And my favorite definition of minimalism is maximize what gives you the most joy in life and minimize the rest. So if you love t-shirts and that gives you a lot of joy, go ape shit on the t-shirts. If that stresses you out, then minimize that. If you love books and like physical books, you have a bunch of books. That's fine. Like I told you about my mixed tiles addiction. Like I've got probably a hundred of these things in my house, but they're decorations. They're, they're my, my podcast art. They are my family pictures and images. I love that stuff. It brings me joy. It helps me enjoy my life. So that's a great litmus test slash definition for minimalism. To me, it's not get rid of everything, own nothing. It's have things that really helps you maximize the joy out of your life and minimize the rest. Then you pair that with frugality. And that's like been the magic elixir for me when I go, okay, for the last decade, whatever I bring in, I'm living off of between 20 and 50% of that. The rest goes towards retirement. So I'm saving between 50 and 80% when the average savings rate for retirement for the average American is like 3%, 6%, maybe. Less than the price of inflation. <laughs> yes. So we're going backwards. So I've been doing 50 to 80% of my paycheck that I pay myself because I'm, you know, I'm unemployable. I'm in a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> There's no way I can work for anybody else. I'm a wild stallion. No, I agree. <laughs> my friend Evan has a saying. I need to introduce you to Evan. He has a saying, his podcast is called Be Good to Future You. And that's been my mantra. I felt a little bit of pain for the last 10 years where money can get tight, but it's like, it's not actually tight. It's like virtually tight off of the rules that I put into play. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm living off of 20% of my income this year, this month or whatever. I'm saving, I'm power saving. So we're gonna have to pass on a few things. I find ways to Instead of paying for trips, I use my credit card points or I sign up for a new credit card, which I pay off every single month and I get the bonus. And now I've got $1,000 in flight credit or whatever. So I, I find little workarounds. And we've been through that. And I promised my wife, I was like, hey, at one point we had a pretty large, fancy house with a guest house and a pool and all the things, a bunch of land. I'm like, we need to sell this. We, we actually moved into a house we used to live in, which is the house we're in right now, which was a rental. I said, this will eliminate our mortgage and I'll retire you by the time you're 45. And I said, I've got the plan in place. We're going to have to feel a little, little burn between now and then. And everything that I said has come true. Like I, I told you, Marcus, we're getting ready to move to be able to be with her mom who's suffering from Alzheimer's. And if finances were an issue, we couldn't do that. But it gives me the freedom. It's the Jocko thing. Discipline equals freedom. And now we're, we're starting to see that benefit. And I told her, I said, Hey, we don't need you to work anymore. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to work as many hours as I want to, because I, otherwise I'll get bored. Basically, you know, it's, it's working because you want to work instead of having to work and crossing that, that financial independence number, which that's a whole other topic in and of itself. But basically the definition of that is all of your assets that are in the stock market or real estate or cryptocurrency or whatever, Whatever yearly interest is produced off of that, if that is more than your yearly expenses, you're now financially independent. This means you don't have to work. Your assets produce enough income 
replace all of your costs and it goes up every year regardless. So I hit that this year. I'm 41 and my wife is older than me. So she's three years older than me. So we're still on pace for the 45 year old goal that we said, but it's weird, Marcus. And I mentioned this, I'm like, we should talk about this because as soon as I hit that number, I've been pushing so hard and like really sacrificing that scar tissues built up. And this was the big thing. I'm like, when I get there, then I'm there, man. And when we did that, and it was like instantly this switch got flipped where my compensation went from money to experiences and people and friendships where like when you hit me up, like, hey, let's do a podcast interview. I wasn't going, well, I really should go out and do something where I can do a consult and make some money or create a course or something. I'm like, hell yes. I love Marcus. This is compensation for me right now. Like, This is what I love doing when I get to go visit somebody or just like hang out and have some coffee or God, like once live events are fully cranking, like all the way, I'm going to be all over it. I'm going to be hugging everybody. Like it's, I'm going to be unleashed, but it's just so weird how, like I said, that switch gets flipped. I'm still adjusting to it, but I'm really hungry now for just relationships. I'm coaching my son's fifth grade basketball team. Like I just bought the daily stoic for all these fifth graders. I'm going to give it to all of them. And I'm like, I can do these sorts of things and teach these, these kids. And my dad is helping me coach. So we have like three generations, my son, my dad and me all like, and all that is compensation for me at this point. So it's, it's kind of a mind trip, but it's a great place to be. And I love that because this minimalism forces you to choose quality over quantity in everything that you do. So again, whether it be an article of clothing, whether it be an investment, whether it be an investment at the time that we have right now, again, this is something that is a worthy investment. And I remember I had you either was on one of my other podcasts or I was on one of your podcasts. And we discussed how many hours you're working. I would like for you to tell people that because these are the hours that you were working even before financial independence. So tell us what that looks like. And again, you're truly breeding that stoic idea of less is more, 80-20, however you want to put it, but you're making the most out of that by making the right decisions, by having that discipline and no decision fatigue in the process. Yeah. So for me, it's four-hour work or four, sorry, four-hour work. God, Tim Ferriss, damn you, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, Tim Ferriss, here we go. Send the link. Here we go. Four-day work week, Monday through Thursday is my sweet spot. It was Monday through Thursday, kind of longer hours for a lot of, of years, but that, that three-day recharge period, Friday through Sunday is awesome. And that's like no work. Something that happens on social media that's automated or that's a delegation to a VA, email checking, same thing. Like eh, if I'm in like launch mode or something, I'll give myself 10 minutes in the morning just to check and go, hey, any fires need to put out? Okay. But otherwise, but like 99% of the time, zero. So the way that's evolved recently now I'm usually done by two or 3 p.m. instead of 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., <laughs> you know, really long hours. But I'll, it's just great because I get in the groove. I got bookends on Mondays and Thursdays. Mondays, I, it's all the setup. Like, all right, we're setting up the week, setting up the marketing, we're initiating momentum. And then Tuesday and Thursday are what I call focus days. That's a term that I learned in a program called Strategic Coach. They help me set up my schedule. Like, this whole system is amazing. And that's my highest level of contribution, like things that only I can do. I can't delegate. So I'm recording content, recording interviews, being interviewed, creating, coaching, consulting. That's the moneymaker days. And then Thursday is put a bow on the week and wrap up, 
make sure that all the follow-ups, I meet a lot of people throughout the week. So I, that's my follow-up day. I make notes on all the relationships that I'm building. And so I know how I can add value and things like that. And then I map out the next week on Thursday. So that way I walk in to the, the new week with the game plan. And I'm very structured and strategic about that. But yeah, like I'm taking my kids to school and picking them up. I'm coaching teams. I make most of their meals, do workouts with the family. I'm working out every day and you can get it all done. And to me, it's the difference between trying and executing. And people out there trying, it's just, I'm trying so hard and it's just random effort. Executing means you have a plan. And I always have a plan, whether it's marketing or my schedule or my basketball team. We're undefeated right now. The junior Knicks are undefeated and we are kicking people's butts. Like we won our last game by 30 points. And it's because I have a plan, you know, and other coaches are like, come on, boy, get out there and shoot that ball. So again, Indiana, that's my Indiana accent. I love that. And the thing too is this leads back to what you do with the podcasting business school. And because I met you at a conference and you and Justin Shank, Justin's amazing. Love him. And we were all having dinner. It was you or him that asked me, you said, what are you wanting to do with your work? And I said, I want to help as many people as I can. And you guys kind of challenged me. You were like, if you really want to, why don't you have a podcast? And I was like, I don't have time for that. And I don't have this. And it was just like, no, that's a bullshit excuse. Like how many people do you speak to at a keynote event? And it's like a thousand. Okay. Every time I hit record on this, you have so many people that subscribe to your podcast. So it's like, you're literally able to reach more people in one episode than I might be able to do over 10 years of speaking every weekend. And you can't argue with those numbers. And then I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, they're right. And then you were also explaining, listen, imagine the amazing people you get to meet. So again, I think, you know, like for me this year, getting to interview Donald Robertson, incredible stoic writer, Stephen Pressel, like is my hero, hero. And getting to have a conversation with him about adversity and resistance and how similar they are. Like if you would have told me that three years ago, I would have said, you're out of your mind. But yet just by doing this thing the right way, making true relationships, really caring about what you're podcasting about. And you're the only person I've had on that this is what you do. So I want everybody to understand that he's doing this, he's living it. He's teaching you how to monetize. But in today's day and age, there was an analogy that they used about Tokyo. And they were saying that there is a seventies vinyl shop in Tokyo that is just world renowned and it's American music. How are they able to do that? They have like an eighties scotch bar there again, all American stuff. It's like, how can they do that? How can these people be making all that money doing that? And it's because they found a niche, they love it, they scratch their own itch with it, and now they're able to truly be the experts in that. And in today's day and age, podcasting is Tokyo. You can literally go out there and just conquer whatever you want. So if you're wanting to meet somebody, and if you have a business, that's an even better way to do it. But you can have all these potentials to collaborate and meet genuine real people. And it's just like anything else, there are going to be some people that are just trying to get an angle. But if you have any kind of common intelligence, if you have any kind of EQ or an emotional intelligence, you can smell who's a good fit and who's not. And then you just dive right into that. And then it's just like anything else. And so now I look forward to seeing you in person. I look forward to this podcast or communicating with you in any way that we do, because that's what the relationships are built upon. And so now you have all these people that 
just like Robert Sykes, right? I look at you, him, Danny. I want to have a 20-year relationship with you guys as friends, go hunting with you guys, have StoicCon, do all these things together so that now we have these experiences, as you were saying, as opposed to chasing this next whatever monetary thing that may or may not pan out. And you're showing that you can absolutely do it on your own terms without having to compromise the integrity of your work, your time, your values, the minimalism, what you apply your times and your energies towards. And that's why I love what you do. Okay. So a couple of things that, that just popped up in, in my mind, when we talk money and podcasting, all this, it blew my mind, Marcus Aurelius Anderson, when you get obsessed about making the money and paying the bills and power saving. And then once you turn that faucet off and go, okay, that isn't so important anymore all the big opportunities start rolling in. It blew my mind. Like this year when I was like, not so concerned about making money, I made more money than I've ever made. And like these big deals of all these people, all these relationships are kind of coming through and all these things. I was like, mind blown. I just had to stop caring about it so much and all these things, but it was a, a point of stress. And I think that frequencies out there, it leads to certain things. So that was really interesting. But the other day, I was just sitting and thinking, I'd made an introduction between two people, which I love. And it's not always like, hey, you should have so-and-so on your podcast. It's just like, you do a thing and they do a complimentary thing. I think you should meet each other. Let's see what happens. I do a lot of those introductions because I'm all over you know, podcasting and clubhouse. I'm just all over it. So a lot of connections are happening. And so people got back to me and go, hey, thanks for the intro. I think it's going to turn into about a million dollars for me. And I was like, Holy crap, man! My Rolodex is worth some some jack at this point. Like I and like I've realized after being a podcaster and like a full time networker and relationship builder for since 2015, my connection power is, is valuable, and I just get a kick out of that. So that's another form of compensation. I'm like, who who could I introduce that it levels them up and it just helps these people? I'm kind of nerding out on that right now. <laughs> so. I'm all about the, I mean, the relationship building aspect of podcasting blindsided me. I was like, I didn't see that coming at all. And it's a long game, but six and a half years into it, I'm just like, wow, just making friends, adding value, being a good, honest businessman and helping people. And when you screw up, I've screwed up plenty. And I, I put it out there and I make it right. If somebody I've, I've been doing business with or a client or whatever, I'm like, hey, I had to issue a few refunds this last week because some things got screwed up. And I was like, hey, I own it. I'll make it up to you. I'll make it better. But having that mindset for six plus years, the fruit is starting to blossom on that tree that planted a while ago. And it's just, it's pretty damn cool to see. Yeah. Everybody talks about gratitude or talks about doing something for somebody else. They were saying that the receptors in our brains that light up, like when I buy some gas for somebody at the store, or if I buy a woman's groceries, there was an older woman that was at the store last week and I did that. And I could tell that she was older, the hundred dollars to her meant a lot more than it did to me. But like she breaks down, she cries, she's wearing a mask, she's scared, all these things. Right. And that's what you're doing with the introductions that you're doing. The way that you do it is strategic. It's important. It's necessary to help these people. And the other thing is with podcasting, because there is zero barrier for entry. And then with the knowledge that you have with the podcasting business school, with what you're doing, you can literally take these people that have never done anything like this. You can skyrocket them, get them in a place where now all of a sudden they have the six years of experience that you have. They get it right up front, right? So you're compressing time for them literally giving them money now 
that they can apply to anything else that they're doing. So that's why, like I said, when I have, just like you, I get pitched all the time. Hey, I want to come on your show. Hey, I want to talk to your audience. Hey, I want to do this. And I'm like, and there's plenty of podcasters that do that. And I'm like, that's fine. But there's only one guy I'm going to have on because I know who he is. I know what he's done. I know what he, how he acts, how he does stuff with business. And you can literally talk to somebody and if they have even a small passion about something or even a small interest in something, you can talk to them and you cultivate this ability for them to see, wow, I know a lot about this. You're like, yeah, you could do four episodes just on this thing that you think is really cool. And guess what? If you get it out there, enough other people will find you and think it's cool. And then all of a sudden you're starting to hit charge or you're starting to hit these, these metrics and it becomes, again, that feed forward, that passion. Again, just having this conversation, looking forward to other people, being introduced to other people helps us find that next area. And that next area could be a whole other level if we commit to it. And like you said, it gives you that ability to detach when you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah, man. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have podcasting. Like Podcasting allowed me to exit. Now I'm a former, I would call it a recovering gym owner. <laughs> <laughs> so... There were days towards the end of my, my stint of owning a gym that, I mean, not just days, years where I didn't like walking in there. I was like, ugh, this isn't serving me. So having that podcast to fall back on and like, okay, I, I've actually started making money with this and oh, wow, I can replace my income as a gym owner. Oh, wow. I'm making more money than I've ever made and more impact. But more importantly, that's been a game changer for me. And that's, that's something that Power of podcasting, like you've mentioned it a couple of times, I think the sweet spot is when you can find the intersection between what you think is cool and what your ideal audience thinks is cool. And you find that, and then you really focus on that ideal listener avatar, the impact happens, income follows impact, and you can do some pretty darn cool things. And that's, that's why I love to nerd out. That's why I have the whole show, Podcasting Business School is my obsession. And I'm on that journey with everybody. I'm an open book. I, I like to think of myself as one of the most honest people in podcasting because you know how it is. There's a lot of, I do 10 million downloads and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, first off, whenever you meet a podcaster, ladies and gentlemen, however many downloads they tell you, you cut it in half. It's like when you're, when it's like we're in the locker room with a bunch of guys. It's half as big as they, as they say it is. is what you, <laughs> so, so just cut it in half or less. But like little things like that, I like to be kind of the people's champion in the space. And I'm not a big, super famous, fancy guy, but I'm somebody that's relatable. And I'll tell you the absolute truth about my experience. If I don't know something, I'll tell you I don't know something. And I'm just going to make it up. That's something I found on, on Clubhouse. My goodness. There are a lot of kind of, I call them faux experts, where I had a client that hired, paid somebody several thousand dollars for LinkedIn coaching. And they were labeling themselves as a LinkedIn expert. And then they did their first session and they go, hey, can I see your LinkedIn account? And they go, oh, I don't have one. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and there's a lot of that on a clubhouse, at least. I feel like it's harder to get away with that on a podcast because nobody will listen. <laughs> so but you got to sneak into a clubhouse room, but that's neither here nor there. But I think if there's somebody out there that's listening and they're like, I have this annoying burning message that I feel like I need to get out into the world. I have a topic that I'm super passionate about. I love to nerd out on it. Like you said, super low barrier of entry. You can get in there, test the waters. Whenever I help somebody launch, I go, I want you. You don't have to pay me for a year. You don't have to commit to me for a year, but you need to commit to you and your potential audience for a year. I need you to put out 52 episodes. You can't quit until you, you give it a year of effort 
of 52 weeks of consistency to see what kind of impact you can make. So if there are any podcastinators out there that have been thinking about launching a show for a while, that's a good place to start. You know, what are 52 things that I could talk about? Or if you're going to do interviews, who are 52 people I would love to talk to, or maybe a little bit of mix of both, what are 26 things I could talk about and 26 people I want to, I would like to talk to, that starts to kind of make it a little more achievable in, in people's minds. So that, that's a great place to start that, that thought process. But I highly encourage it. It's been a game changer for me. I met a cool person like Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and now we're, we're pod bros, we're pod pals. We absolutely are. And there's a lot of people that approach me that say, hey, I want to write a book. And then if you tell them the discipline required to do that, and then you have to sit down and do this stuff. But a lot of people have great ideas and they're like, I'm driving to work and I'm just talking about it and blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, you have incredible ideas, but you may not be an author. But if you enjoy speaking and you enjoy interviewing people and you have something that's valuable, a podcast is probably the better avenue for them because that is a form of content that they can do. And then here's the other things as you'll talk about. Now, if they have that and they get that, they can have somebody go through, or if they do it themselves and they have it all documented, they have it all written down. And now all of a sudden that becomes a blurb that becomes something that they can put out there to help with SEO that can become an article, all these things that you can get from the podcasting that allows you to create tremendous traction, tremendous content, even Tim Ferriss. I know I'm not Tim Ferriss. I know that well, you look kind of like Tim Ferriss, but what he even says is he's like, listen, there's about 20% of my audience that I only love like about every fifth or sixth episode that I do, but that 20% loves it so much that that's what he's looking for. So he may have a person who's talking about this and you're like, he's gone off the deep end. I don't know why he's talking to this other person. All of a sudden he'll have like, for me, like Stephen Pressel. I'm like, oh my God, I definitely have to listen to that one. And then there may be a couple where it's like, yeah, I kind of like that. And then it's like, I don't know who this person is, or they're talking about a subject I know nothing about. And then even looking at his journey about this idea of cannabis and this idea of these different things that have really opened him up to go through and go through a lot of his trauma to get beyond that, to unpack it. So now, whether it be psilocybin or whatever, he's truly scratching his own itch. And in so doing, he's helping other people. It may not be for everybody, but that's why there are, well, there's a million podcasts that are out there, but how many of them make it past the first 20 episodes? All right. So quick podcast stat knowledge. They're just over under 3 million podcasts that have been out there. All right. But less than 10% of them have more than 10 episodes and have released any content in the last 90 days. So we're talking about a quarter million. It's called Pod Fade, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. And Tim Ferriss, speaking of Tim Ferriss, doesn't he remind you of the guy that, like in high school, you needed a little help? Maybe you aren't the genius of the class and you're like, Hey, can I get a little help with this, this problem? And he would say, no, like he would just tell you, no, because you know that Tim Ferriss could help you out, but he'd be like, no, no, thanks. I'm not going to help you out. I love Tim Ferriss, but I feel like I tried to put people in, in high school terms. Like who is this guy in high school? <laughs> that's, that's Tim Ferriss. The power of podcasting, it's out there. It's ripe. People think, Oh, everybody's got a podcast, but the stats, they might have a podcast. Not doesn't mean that's done well or that it's still active. There's opportunity. Think about how many YouTube channels there are, how many blogs there are out there. And the, the interesting thing about audio is it gives you the unique positioning to be a part of people's routines. YouTube channels don't do that. Books don't do that. Blogs don't do that. Email marketing doesn't do that because I guarantee if you guys have a favorite show, and I hope that Octanon Verba is your favorite show, I guarantee you, you listen to it on a specific day at a specific time doing a specific thing. 
Like maybe you're working out on Wednesday morning or you're taking your kids to school or driving to work on a certain day. You know when it releases and it's in your routine now. Now, if Marcus decides to take a couple months off, all of a sudden pattern disrupt, you're going to insert somebody else into that routine. There's no guarantee that he gets you back. So that's the power of consistent podcasting. And when we talk about marketing and email marketing, if 70% of you don't open Marcus's emails, we're high-fiving because that's a 30% open rate. We're like, yes, amazing. But podcasting, 100% deliverability. It all, if you hit that subscribe or follow button, it always shows up on the phone and that notification pops down. Hey, new episode, Octanon Verba. So those are the two differentiating factors from a business and marketing perspective and a connection to your potential listener slash audience member slash client, potential client that other mediums don't necessarily provide. So I, I love to put those out there and go, hey, if you have an existing business or a brand that you'd like to infuse a little energy into, this may make sense. And where can we learn more about what you're doing, learn about, because we've just given like little a tip of the iceberg, just the tip. How can we actually go through and learn more about what this is and everything that you have available in this program? If you search podcasting business school anywhere you go, that's going to get you where I'm at. Like on Instagram, I'm very active or just my main website, podcastingbusiness.school.school, not .com markets, .school. I went that route. I think the other one was like $10,000 to get the URL. I'm like, oh God, you had to do that. <laughs> Who thought of this name before me and didn't even create a podcast about it? So anyway, podcastingbusiness.school. And the, just, yeah, anywhere you listen to audio, just I've got 215 episodes out right now. Just go jam on it. If you reach out, I'll interact with you. I love to interact. That's what I'm here to do. So I appreciate you, Marcus. I always appreciate getting to collaborate with you. Like I said, this is my compensation now, being able to just share ideas and have conversations back and forth, be mentally stimulated and engaged for an hour or so. Like this is, this is what I love to do, man. So I appreciate you. Me too. I appreciate you so much, Adam Shively. I will talk to you soon, my friend. As Jocko Willink says, good. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Okta Nonverba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.